You're listening to the Authentic Leadership Podcast. Join Gabrielle Dolan as she interviews a range of prominent leaders about their experiences. Her guests share stories about challenges they have faced during their career, as well as important learning opportunities or moments of insight. We hope you enjoy this conversation and are encouraged to embrace authenticity and real communication. Hello and welcome to another edition of Authentic Leadership. I am very excited today to be speaking to the CEO of George Jensen of Australia and also the head of George Jensen in the Asia-Pacific region. Welcome, Anne Sullivan. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Now, we need to start with because I have a George Jensen ring that I actually got for my 50th birthday present. So, um, and I love it. It's like Gorgeous. the most expensive jewelry I've ever had in my <laughs> life, but, but well worth it. Well worth it. And I remember I, so there's a couple of things with the George Jensen. Every time I think of George Jensen, I actually think of the song, Meet George Jensen. Oh, I know. <laughs> my kids were very disappointed when they realised that I was not that George Jensen I was going to work for. So it's uh, that <laughs> daughter, Judy, Jane, his wife. That yeah, 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 that one, yeah, that one. Yeah, so I always nice. think of George Jetson. But um, my brother-in-law would always correct me for saying it wrong. So what is the proper? It's, it's uh, if, if you were in Denmark, it's Georg Jensen. And uh, that's probably not said the right way either. Uh, but uh, in Australia, it's George Jensen. And uh, most of his extraordinary followers know him as George Jensen in Australia. Right. But, uh, but yes, the, the, the Danes have got a wonderful way of swallowing their words. So um, it's very difficult to say in Australia correctly. So let's stick with George Jensen. Yeah, let's stick with George yeah. Jensen. That's all good. Okay. So, Anne, I want to start off with, you know, getting to know you and a little bit about your background and where you grew up. So what, where did you grow up and what was your ah, situation? I am uh, of European parents, grew up in hardworking uh, northern suburbs of Melbourne, Glenroy, uh, and being uh, the daughter of a European family, it really um, installed the ethics of hard work. You don't get, uh, you know, you don't get anything for nothing. You've got to work for every aspect of your life. And uh, it was really great grounding. And, and uh, certainly now some really good learnings uh, growing up in that sort of environment. Mm. And your, your brothers and sisters, are you the oldest, youngest? Or? I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the baby. I was a mistake. My parents um, uh, came uh, out in, in the mid-50s and my brother and sister were born overseas and uh, I was actually born here nine years after their youngest at the time. So I literally was brought up almost as an only child mm-hmm. in my formative years. So I think um, that gave me the opportunity, perhaps, of uh, working closely with my parents and my very patriarchal father, who taught me some really great life skills in that time. So very grateful for that. Uh, do your brother and sister say that you're the spoiled one? Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And the weird thing is, regardless of what I've achieved and regardless of my title, I'm still the young one that doesn't know much. So. <laughs> And I'm putting up my hand saying, I know the answer to that. I know the answer to that little problem. No, no, no. You're too the, they're yeah. still treating you as the they're little baby. Exactly. 
exactly. Yeah. I remember we, I, I'm one of eight and there was a really big gap between uh, my older brother. So mum had five and then nearly died during childbirth mm-hmm. with my older brother, but didn't, and he didn't, but there was a really, so though, you know, she was told not to have children again. And but there was a real, like, I think there's about a six year gap. And then she had me and then had my younger brother and younger sister. So she had three, like really, and we were always referred to as the three young ones even when I was like 30, that was <laughs> my aunties and uncles would always get the three young ones. And I'm like, man, I'm bloody, I'm 54. So <laughs> my, my mother is still is still uh, still with us and she still speaks to my brother to make sure that I'm going okay and um, you know, take care of your little sister. Thinking, yeah, thanks, thanks. That's terrific. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, it is Sweet. lovely. Hey, so um with a hard-working European background and parents, what was your first job you ever did? Uh, my first job, apart from helping in the family business, which at the time was petrol stations, my first real job uh, after uh, HSC at the time was stepping into a, a luxury retail store called George's in Collins Street. And uh, I remember at the time thinking, oh, God, it's such a snooty kind of store. Um, how would I, do I really want to go there? I think, oh, yeah, I'm going to Europe next year. This is a gap year between HSC and uni, uh, three months at George's, and then I'll start my European adventures. But I, I stepped into retail and I just loved it. I just realised that was my, I, I really felt comfortable with it. Um, I had, in fact, uh, received a scholarship to do uh, secondary teaching um, because I had no idea what I wanted to do. Postponed it for a year, did three months at George's, went overseas, came back, was approached by George's to go back. And that's just started my career in retail, started my career in retail management, did management training through George's at the time, an amazing grounding in um, very old school retail um, patterning and traits and some really great skill sets that were taught in that old school way of uh, luxury retailing. Um, uh, George's was the only store of its kind in Australia at the time and was the first store in Australia to have uh, I think it was Chanel and Dior. And uh, there was no other store in Australia that had it. So it became uh, a real icon of design and a real icon of um, fashion. And because of that, they needed a certain skill set in management that could handle that. And that provided extraordinary grounding for me. Mm. And do you have some weird rule in your career that you only work for companies that start with George? <laughs> do you know, I've never thought of it. until Really? That. Never, <laughs> never. I must admit the weird thing was uh, George's had this amazing mezzanine level that had uh, the only George Jensen uh, shop basically in Australia. And I remember I used to walk past this mezzanine level, almost bow, with, the, the, in, in, with the, the beauty of the silverware there. And uh, it was very much uh, out of my price range, out of my, um, in a sense, it was, it was the pinnacle of the most beautiful product. 
And I used to go there during my lunchtime think, this is really, really beautiful. And um, almost bow back out of, out of the uh, area and downstairs. And that was my first introduction to George Jensen. And that was in the 70s. And mm. uh, I remember the fact that I almost did have done a full circle now. That never ceases to amaze me. That's, yeah. uh, I think that was uh, karma to a point. Yeah. And even location, isn't there a George Jensen store like in George's or right next to George's? There is. Well, we've got yeah. a store in Collins Street. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was, um, yeah, that it, I think that's sort of, uh, certainly Melbourne is, is very much the home of George Jensen mm. in Australia too. Okay, right. I say we're starting to know you. You only work for places that start with George and and only in Collins Street. Only in Collins Street. Only at the Paris. Paris in the Collins Street. Only. Standards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Clearly. (laughs) Um, So, Anne, where do you live now? I live. I do live in Melbourne, even Mm -hmm. though uh, our head office is in Sydney. Mm -hmm. So I'm one of those people who would commute when COVID allowed it. Uh, and I would work in Sydney uh, three weeks out of four per month. Um, so I was one of those regulars that would rock up on a Monday uh, at, uh, at the airport and come back on a Friday. And uh, I think um, because I travel so much, uh, either travel to Sydney or travel to my APAC countries, um, it, I, need to, I needed to develop a different skill set in leadership that could be done remotely. And uh, I think it's, it's uh, one thing and it's so motivational when you're sitting in front of a person and you can really lead by body language, lead by all the other skill sets that you need. And I think part of leadership is also listening into the water cooler conversations by being there in body. But I think uh, what we've had to do and what I've had to do all through my life is be able to lead remotely in a sense. Um, I run Japan, I run Taiwan, I run Hong Kong. And uh, clearly, it's standards that you need set um, from a verbal point of view and from a motivational point of view uh, that don't have to be uh, face-to-face. And mm. that's, that's, that's tricky. But uh, once you master it, it's, it's actually it's, it's a good skill to have. Yeah, so um, my dog's just barking his head off. Uh, so I was going to say, so you're, like, you're the whole, your whole career managing um, managing virtually has probably set yourself up quite well for the current environment. Oh, totally. Not that anything could ever have prepared us for the current environment, but it's been, it's, it's certainly helped. It's definitely helped during this. It, but uh, I've certainly missed, you know, with, with the, the leadership, remote leadership, as long as you tap in on a regular basis, face-to-face, you're fine. But not having those tap, tap in points over the past year 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 and a half have proven to be tricky but again with anything you can get around that as well mm. would you have any like practical advice you would give people who you know i guess have never managed virtually before um you know except for the last 18 months what's one of you know what's one one or a couple of things that you do that you know works well when you have to lead people um virtually I think you need to ensure that you've got a great team, but I think you, um, one of the, the, I think, biggest learnings that I've made is how much you need to invest in your teams. And I think um, there's that Richard Branson quote that is fantastic that says, you know, you take care of your employees and then they'll take care of your business. 
And I think uh, what I've learned more than ever during this whole COVID thing is the importance of how you respect your employees, how you motivate your employees, uh, and how you empower them to be able to make their own choices within a guideline. But I think um, from my point of view, I've, had, I've got a really great team around me, both in Australia and uh, in APAC countries. And it is this uh, synergy, it is this very regular contact. We have, you know, an hour, I have an hour set aside every week with uh, all of my direct reports. Um, and you just have to give the one-on-one. And it's not just business. It's getting to the next level of a person's uh, personality as well. What's making them tick? Are they okay? And I don't mean that as in, are you okay day? But, you know, how are they trekking? How, how are they uh, motivating their own teams? What are, their, what are their, their critical issues at the time? Try to avoid the um, issues from uh, developing into something that can't be easily remedied. So it's really staying on top of as much as you can. I think, um, I know it's a strange thing, but I think helicopter management is often a good thing in a way of making sure you've got your fingers in every pie of the business. And you can, you can if you do that, then you can quickly see if something is not quite going to plan. If something is, is um, starting to smell a bit weird, then it is weird. So jump on it straight away, you know. It's, it sounds like you've got that nice balance between like helicopter managing, but complete and but also empowering them and trusting them to do their own Correct. thing yeah. and having the relationship that they can quickly open up to you too if they think hey you know if they can tell you of an issue that they feel is a concern with that feeling that they've let you down or that feeling that they are not doing their job correctly as well so it is it, it is empowering them but it's also guiding them to being open about things as well. Mm, yeah. Who's been who's been uh, your biggest influence in your um, life or career, I guess? Uh, it sounds like, you, sounds like your parents might have had a role well, to play, I would suggest. certainly encouraged ambition and uh, encouraged, uh, he or, uh, my father always said, you're the only one who could stop you from, from proceeding. You are, you, if you uh, want to achieve, you're the only one who can do it. So, uh, and you can do it. So he, he, you know, he's a sort of father that uh, if you came second in class, would look at you and say, good work, but you've got to work harder next time. And so he taught me to be competitive as well in that process. But I suppose my predecessor in, uh, in my job at George Jensen taught me leadership. And he taught me fear <laughs> and he taught me respect. Um, he <laughs> also taught me motivation, you know, Keep going, keep going. What's the next big thing? What's don't stop on your laurels. Keep on going. Motivate the team. Um, but he, and the strange word he also told me not to be emotional. Don't take things personally. Be unemotive about your decisions, and you can be a lot fairer about your decisions. Take take your personal um, angle out of it and look at it subjectively and say, okay, um, what is the issue here? So, uh, and I think. Fairness, respect were perhaps two of the, the, the biggest learnings I've made, as well as um, have faith in myself, yeah. which is um, something that uh, perhaps comes later in life sometimes that you would like it to be. Yeah, yeah I think it probably does. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just should let you know that my dog, Digger, barks when he really agrees with what you're saying. <laughs> so that's just... Uh, <laughs> 
seems to, he I'm seems glad. to be seems to be, I like the barking. That's good, yeah. He good, seems good, to be barking time. a lot. It's, it's, it's a wonder he hasn't set your dog off. So I know. Well, mine's sort of asleep on the sofa over there. Oh, so he's fine. Good, yeah. good. So what's been some of what's been perhaps one of the biggest challenges you've faced in your career, and what um, was it, and how'd you go well, about I it? I think I have been. I've been um, CEO now for quite a few years. I think it's nudging 13, 14 years and been with a company for you know 20-ish years. And I, I am very um, passionate about the brand. Uh, but being a, an international company, we of course we've got uh, headquarters in Denmark. We, we ha- I think I've seen five CEOs in Denmark. Um, and if we have a CEO that wants to uh, play around with the brand too much, I will stand my ground about that. And that, that, that does lead to confrontation. And you, you try to, I fully, completely always respect um, my CEOs, but if they want to change the direction of the brand 180 degrees, I will try to find that 90 degree midpoint. And it's trying to find that midpoint that is often a bit tricky. So you, you want to be seen to be uh, positive and enforcing a direction, but you don't, but you know that at the end of it, you probably have more longevity than the CEO in Denmark. Um, so you want to make sure that there is a brand at the end of all this that you can continue to manage. Um, and I'm proud that we are. Uh, Australia is the second largest, the, the largest market outside of Denmark. So we're doing something right here. And uh, it's my responsibility to George to maintain that and to, uh, to, to grow it, to evolve it, uh, but to keep the true feeling of what uh, George Jensen really stands for. Mm. And we've done it really well. I'm pleased to say we've got a brilliant, brilliant CEO at the moment. And um, he and I work very, very well together. So, uh, you know, there, there are a few CEOs that I, I know uh, probably I haven't been their favourite person for, but I'm here, they're not. <laughs> so- I was going to say there, there, there's probably, you know, there would always be some challenges, I guess, when you're um, as part of a global brand, a global company, and you're, um, you know, the CEO of Australia or APAC. But I guess the fact that if, um, you know, if it's, a, if it's the second biggest market, then yeah. you, pr- you probably carry a fair, your opinion would carry a fair bit of weight, I would imagine. Yeah. And, and big changes impacted a lot too. So if we do change 180 degrees, that will change direction 180 degrees. The the potential um, fallback or, or the potential backlash could be quite great. And mm. uh, we've got to protect the business. Yeah. So my aim is to grow the business all the time. And we are in, we're still in great growth mode in Australia. Oh, excellent. So what's, what's been the highlight of your career? Uh, discovering that you know people did have faith in me and discovering that um you know they that i was promoted to this this role was really impressive and you sort of i I think one of the things i tell uh, my team is that you don't realize how much you actually know so you know if my marketing person or if my hr person or whatever have doubts i'll say you are really good you just don't know how much you actually no. And it's not till somebody puts a mirror up that you, you realize, yeah, okay. Yep. All right. Maybe I am good. You know, uh, maybe it'll do. Mm. So it's, uh, but I think it's uh, certainly, um, I think you don't see as much now in, in um, the millennials, but certainly my age group or uh, people who were born in the 
you know, in the last century, a lot of women were the, their were own worst enemies because you felt that they, there was definitely a resistance to appreciate how good they really were. Um, and you had to wipe away the, uh, the concern or the doubt and really focus, let them focus on the fact that you're doing a damn good job and yeah. they needed to see it themselves. Yeah, I think it's, uh, uh, you know, from what I work with in corporate and the leaders I work with and, and um, you know, doing some stuff uh, specifically for women, uh, yeah. it's, it, it's still there. It's like, you know, women suffer imposter syndrome more than yeah. men um, at, a, at a, you know, higher, deeper level. It's um, true. Yeah. Imposter it, syndrome is a really it's great real. description. It is real. Mm. And, mm. you know, certainly from, if you just look at the salaries, the, the, there mm. is still an injustice in the salary payments. And I think that comes through part of that imposter syndrome that overlays that, doesn't it? it that, yeah. They don't yeah. appreciate their worth. So they the don't, negotiations aren't there. Exactly. So if you're not appreciating your worth, you're not, mm. you're not negotiating that That's as well. That's exactly right. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's, um, I hope it's generational that, you know, our, our daughters like don't feel it. it but um, I'm, not, I'm not sure it is. I just don't know. I think I've got a, a, a wonderful daughter who's got a very, very, uh, very high-powered position as well. But there is, and to, to, to 95%, I think it's gone. But then there's still that little bit that uh, tweaks at the, the end that does also show this slight imposter syndrome. But, but in saying that, I have a, a, a gorgeous son as well. And, yeah, there's a little bit there too. There perhaps mm. am, am the, the um, brutal ambition uh, isn't there. Instead, they have a, a, a more genuine niceness to how they go about things, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. yeah, excellent. Um, so what you, you, it's, you sound like you clearly love your job. What, what do you love about your job at the moment? And, and perhaps on the flip side of that, what's the hardest bit at the moment? I love my job. I love the brand. I could never work for a brand that I didn't like. Um, I think I've got the best team in the world in Australia as well. I think they're, they're really all motivated, all powerful. I don't profess to know anything about some of these departments. I know marketing, I know a little bit, you know, HR, I know a little bit, but I think I've employed the perfect people to fill those roles and I have 100% faith in them. And I think unless you've got faith in them, then it takes a little bit of time for me to have faith in a certain person like that. Um, that makes work so much better when you employ and in, in, uh, surround yourself with such experience. And I think that that side of it becomes fun. So brainstorming is fun. But during this whole COVID time, I find um, it's, it's fascinating to try to negotiate your way around it and try to navigate through this, this quagmire of, 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 of uh, negativity, if you like. And, you know, as a retailer, uh, we 80% of our business is retail, basically. It's been really difficult. It's been really difficult to um, ensure that the 200 retail team that we have out there in Australia are keeping well during all this and are happy, are motivated, even though they might be uh, on, on government benefits right now they are still an important part of what we do. The hardest part has been to ensure that they feel part of the family, even when mm. they're at home. Mm. When was the last time you got to see them face to Like where was the last country you oh, went to? Or? God, um, I haven't been, uh, of course, to any of my countries since last March 2020. 
Um, from the Sydney point of view, I was the last plane out of Sydney before their lockdown. Um, so, that, that, so what's that early July is the, mm. the last time I was in Sydney. But, um, you know, thank God for team meetings and Zoom meetings. But face-to-face, mm. uh, -face, it's been a while. Melbourne, uh, I've seen the Melbourne team more recently up until, what was that, beginning of August. Um, but uh, that's the hardest part is not having the face-to-face. Yeah, it's, um, and that that's the trickiest part. But but um, navigating our way through it, and the same I find when when retail gets tough, it's trying to find the angle, trying to find the marketing navigational route through it, and the the, the feeling of elation when you succeed. So there is still that um, ambition, still that competitive spirit that comes in. That uh, it's going to take a lot to knock us down. We've got to oh, find a different wow. way around it every time. Yeah. Was everyone just by, you know, chance, was everyone singing the Cold Chisel song on that last plane out of Sydney? Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I, I would I'd just, I'd just be driving to the airport oh. singing, last plane out of Sydney. Yeah, exactly. But it, was, but it was, you know, until it took off, we were not sure that it wasn't going to take off because all planes were being cancelled. But it was not as joyful as the first plane into Sydney. I was the first plane into Sydney uh, when we were allowed to fly in. And uh, there was an amazing welcome committee at Sydney Airport by, you know, there was music, there were drag queens, there was a whole kit and caboodle welcoming uh, people back into, and it was all a welcome back kind of theme about that. That was more joyful. And I'm looking forward to that again. Yeah. Hopefully. Not, yeah, not too distant future. I remember I got a couple of um, trips to Sydney in uh, before, you know, this yeah. whatever lockdown. Um and yeah, just just flying like everyone was just so excited to be oh, yeah. flying, and you know, yes. yeah. sitting sitting in business class where everyone's too bloody important to talk, and they all doing work. Everyone was just chat, 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 chatty, chatty, it's chatty. Really good with the mask oh. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But well, was, you know, did you? So yeah, joyful. You're ordering that champagne as quickly as you can to take totally. the mask off. But totally, yeah. totally, totally. Hey, um. What have uh, you know? It, it's it's been tough eighteen months for everyone, um, and we could spend ages talking about that. But what's been the silver lining out of the pandemic, both personally and professionally, for you? Um, professionally, the resilience of the team, the the, mm -hmm. the fact that they when they when the doors were opened again, they came back stronger and fresher and more motivated and more um, loyal than I've ever seen before. Uh, and they're all bouncing. They're all so happy to be back and so happy to, um, again, I, I suppose going back a bit, we, we put so much resources, so many resources into the lockdown last year that uh, the team all came back feeling that they were taken care of. And again, going back to the Richard Branson quote, they were our best PR basically mm. when we opened the doors again. That side of it was, was amazing. Um, from a personal point of view, uh, it's 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 perhaps it's been tough, but I think I've been so proud as to the fact that we have still got a fantastic business intact, um, and I was able to keep the motivation up, which is perhaps the hardest thing during this time. When you had, you know, there there was certainly been a lot of conversations of talking people off the cliff, so to speak. Uh, over the past 18 months but I'm glad it's uh it we were able to do it yeah and on a home front what's been the silver lining for you uh 
so I've never spent so much time at home in my life. So uh, I, I remember the first few months of last year, I was feeling jittery. I was feeling unsettled. I felt as though I just didn't know where I belonged. You know, it was so weird. The family were looking at me saying, you know, we haven't seen you in such a long, consistent time. It was really difficult. I had to readjust. Mm. And uh, I've never been a particular home body. I've always wanted to, I've always been out. I've always, I'm always doing things. So being stuck was like, ugh. So developed relationships a bit more with family, um, developed my cooking skills, actually enjoyed walking which is something I've never had the time to do. Um, so it's been, it's been nice. I suppose you, in a funny way, aspects of what you do slow down. You've also, you know, you've, you've got a little bit more time to do things and, uh, oh, I've got a garden, might start playing in there, you know. But, uh, so, but just, just getting over the jitters of not flitting around everywhere to calming down. And that took a while. That took a lot of adjusting. And I think I'm there now but I'm dying to get on a plane again. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah. Um, so when you're not working, uh, what's the one thing that you love doing? I really love cooking. Uh, I'm not good at it, but I really love doing it. So, uh, and I've got a uh, family that, uh, that totally get it, that, yeah, she could improve this or that, but I just love trying. I can't do bread. I don't like that baking side of it, but... Uh, I do like uh, the good old Italian cooking or the good old ice cream making, which is my latest thing. But uh, I do find uh, solace in cooking with loud music. So uh, that's, uh, that's my thing at the moment. It's my group. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Sometimes I'm cooking and you feel like there's something missing. You go, oh, I haven't put the music on. It's exactly like, right. It's got to be loud music. And I'm not particularly fussed about it. But uh, yeah. I've been told I've got junk food tastes in music. So I like, you know, current pop, basically. Right. Okay. So uh, I've got really bad taste in music. <laughs> <laughs> if you could change one thing about you, what would it be? Um, historically, I would have uh, liked to have had more confidence in myself younger. But now I wish I could. Uh, I'm not very good at focusing. I'm always good at just trying to, I need to be motivated and I need, I'm looking at the next shiny sparkly thing in the corner, you know. I, I do wish I could focus more because I, I'm not good. I cannot be in meetings longer than an hour without sort of flicking pens or clicking things or uh, I've got no, um, I suppose, no long-term tolerance or focus. I just need, it, I need to do focus management. Right, okay. Like yeah. even now, I can't sit still. It's I can't sit still. Right. Okay, well, lucky this doesn't go longer than an <laughs> hour, so we're all good. I was about to say, I was about to say, can anyone focus in a meeting for more I than know. an hour? I know, it's, it's true. Ridiculous. It's true. Ridiculous. It's true. Yeah. Okay, um, you've mentioned the Richard, I always ask people what their favourite quote is and if they have one and why it resonates with you. You've, you've mentioned the Richard Branson one a bit, life, but what's your favourite? My quote is bite off more than you can chew, than oh. chew like hell. I love it. Did, yeah. Is that yours or did someone? Uh, do you know? I don't know. All right, I'm going to. I think I've heard that before. No, I don't think it's mine, but it's one no, that I've heard, gonna... heard a long, long time ago. I'm going to attribute really it to it. you. I'm going yeah, to attribute it to you. Like, you know, much. if we don't it's know the life, source. Yeah. My life mantra. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Love it. Mm. Um, 
I, you may know, well, you may not know, I'm uh, the founder of Jargon Free Fridays and, you know, this is being recorded on a Friday. Um, yes. What's, what's a, if, if you could and you can because you're CEO, what would be a jargon or an acronym or something that you would just go, no one's allowed to use this ever again? Um, I've thought long, I, I don't, it's really, there is so many. One is, I mean, it's the, the, the current word at the moment that makes me gag is pivot. Oh, same. Snap. God, vomit. But that's perhaps, I, I find it hard to look for anything else beyond that because I'm yes. so, so allergic to that. Um, that'll do that'll do that'll if do. we if Fine. everyone yep. stopped pivoting seriously seriously, seriously just stop pivoting nuts just yeah. nuts just just do something yeah yeah just, um, yeah hate it hate that word but um, I, I actually put a challenge to a few people to like just introduce stuff and like yeah. start saying we need to re-pivot the pivot and just see if <laughs> like just see if anyone would actually then use it anyway all right and we are going to end with some uh a few quick fire questions okay well that they don't have to be that quick i always say quick fire questions and we're still (laughs) talking about 10 minutes later but anyway so one of my the questions i ask everyone's what what's one meal you love cooking and so you know you've just talked about how much you love cooking Uh, anything that's slow cooked anything I, i really enjoy slow cooking and uh, so the the good ragouts or a good um, you know, sort of lamb shank oxtail pasta, good good pasta sauce, yeah. slow cooking, or my latest thing is ice creams. Mastering the creamy ice cream. I, I'm going to ask you a question about the slow cooked, and I think I, I yeah. think I know the answer. Do you yeah. use a slow cooker or do you use an enamel? I use an enamel. Yeah, I knew, I knew, I knew. I thought this, this, you know, European heritage, you're not going to, yeah, I've, um, I remember I bought a slow cooker like about 15 years ago and I've used it for a while and I just, I just never use it now. Um, I found everything tasted the same. It doesn't get that, you know, when you do the enamel, that like sort of build up of stuff, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, definitely. Totally with you on that one. Yeah, yeah. Slow cooking, using a slow cooker is just <laughs> cheating. It is. <laughs> as, oh, as, as a, you know, it's so much harder to stick it in an oven for four hours. <laughs> okay, what's your favourite 80s song or artist? Uh, see, I'm a Dire Straits fan. The, oh, yeah, okay. I went to every Dire Strait concert in Australia. I was uh, – I, if I was a groupie, I was a Dire Straits groupie at the time. So I was big into Dire Straits in, I suppose, it's late 70s, 80s. Um, yeah, that's 80s. Yeah, that's cool. So that was my that was my jam in a sense. But, uh, yeah. Whole my world. boyfriend at the time loved Dire Straits oh, yeah. and played yeah. it constantly. And I think because of that, I didn't yes. like them. <laughs> I was just like, oh my god! Can we please have anything else? Um, and but Queen, I, I, Queen would be uh, the other one. I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Queen's pretty cool. Yeah. All right, my final question. Yes. If you could give one piece of advice to your twenty-year-old self, what would that be? Look up the word tenacity. I would tell myself. Yeah. <laughs> So why? What? Uh, why? Have faith in yourself and take a risk. And I think um, I remember being so flawed 
with the big wide world when I started work that I was, especially Georgia's, uh, that I, I sometimes didn't have the faith in myself that I should have. And uh, I, I spent a lot of time, even though I was confident and every time I was achieving, I still tried to stay in the shadow a little bit. And uh, I think I needed to have a little bit more tenacity, have a little bit more faith in myself without being cocky, but just, just believe in, believe in the strength, believe in, believe in your inner voice, I think mm. would be the, the, the message to myself at that time. Yeah. Well, believe in the, believe in the uh, encouraging inner voice, not the negative yeah, the inner encouraging voice. encouraging inner voice. Yeah. Correct. Excellent. Correct. Yep. And thank you so much for being part of this Authentic Leadership podcast series. Throughout the um, throughout our chat, you've talked about the amazing team you have, and I would suggest that you don't ever have an amazing team without an amazing leader. So um, well done on everything you've achieved, and thank you for being part of it. Thank you so much, Gabrielle. Enjoy the rest of your Friday. Yes, and next week, join us next week where I think I might interview my dog, Digger, because he clearly (laughs) wants a voice. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Authentic Leadership Podcast. We welcome your suggestions for leaders you would like to hear from in future episodes.